Blog Talk Radio. BDPAI Radio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPAI Radio Show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil. Sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation and the BTF Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Michelle F. Ortman. Online chat coordinated by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcast the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on www.blogtalkradio.com slash BDPA. Well, welcome everyone. Tonight is Tuesday, March 27th. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month. And welcome to BDPAI Radio. I'm your host, Fran McNeil, and tonight we have three guests from the BDPA family. Our first guest is Mr. Larry Quinlan. He is Global Chief Information Officer with Deloitte, and he will be sharing with us a little bit about his experience and how BDPA and Deloitte work very closely together. Our second guest is Mr. Howard James. He is a charter member of BDPA, and he'll tell you a little bit more about that. And he is also now working with National BDPA. And our third guest is Jabron McDuffie, and he is the High School Computer Coordinator for BDPA Chicago. So welcome, everyone, to our show, and we are going to go right into our first interview. Well, Larry, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? Thank you. Very good. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Oh, it is certainly our pleasure. Now, where are you calling in from tonight? I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia tonight. I'm in transit, uh, came in, uh, flew in from Minneapolis, and headed to New York. Oh, okay. So the life of travel. That is true. I spend a lot of my time on the road, both internationally and in the U.S. In fact, I'm on the road uh, pretty much every day. Hmm. So about um, 80% of your time is travel-related or a little less? Yeah, I have global responsibilities at Deloitte, and I spend um, uh, close to 100% of my time uh, traveling, but I, I'm in every region of the world, uh, the Americas, uh, Europe, Africa, as well as Asia Pacific, So, and also uh, all of the cities in the U.S., so I, I really do spend a lot of time on the road. Um, but it, it's challenging, but also very rewarding. Well, that's that's exciting, and I'm I'm seeing in our chat that our listeners would like me to sort of share a little bit of your official bio. So let me do that before we get any further into our conversation. Larry, you're a partner at Deloitte, and Deloitte is one of the world's largest professional services firms, with over 30,000 people in the United States and 120,000 people in over 100 countries around the world. Now, you're serving currently as the Global Chief Information Officer with responsibility for technology strategy and implementation 
and you've been with Deloitte since 1988. You do hold an MBA and a Bachelor's of Science in Industrial Management. So one of the first questions that has come up um, several times in the chat, particularly since you mentioned that you're really responsible um, internationally for uh, being the global chief information officer, is in terms of the travel, how do you leverage technology given that you're serving the world? Um, and if travel is being leveraged, why are you spending so much time in airports and in offices when, you know, couldn't you just send a text or an email or do video conferencing? So share so, with us uh, that it, balance between, yes, te technology and travel. It's a very fair question. My role is a unique one. It's the leadership role in the organization. And I'm responsible for the technology for now it's um, uh, close to 180,000 plus people. And because of that unique nature of the role, I find myself traveling to meet with teams, motivating people, uh, working with vendors, uh, working with project teams. And a lot of that is supplemented by technology in addition to all of the travel I do. I do hundreds of audio conferences, hundreds of video conferences, hundreds of web conferences, in addition to plain old telephone calls. But the uniqueness of the role calls for me to actually be with people, to set our strategy, to set our goals, to determine where we want to go for the next year, for the next five years. And that requires a level of investment, a level of personal involvement that some other roles do not. So there are many others at, at Deloitte who don't travel as extensively as I do, people in my team who don't travel as extensively as I do and will leverage the technologies that we have. My role is unique in that sense, hence requiring not only the technology of communication, but also personal travel. Mm. That's, that's um, you know, and as I listen to you share that, um, I know Earl Pace, uh, the founder, one of the co-founders of the organization, and many of the other CIOs who have been on the show have really shared that being the chief information officer and in your role as the global chief information officer, the leadership role is you know, a, a large portion of that responsibility um, and that it is not, you know, tech, solely technology. So communicating, as you said, strategy and goals are really critical. Now, you are very much involved in ITSMF, and for our listeners, that's the Information Technology Senior Management uh, Forum. And you are actually one of the original members of that uh, ITSMF. Can you share with us, how did you get involved, and why was that an important role for you to be involved in um, when you originally started? I, I wish I could claim the honor of being one of the founding members, but in fact, I was I was not, so I cannot I cannot claim 
uh, credit for that. But I joined a few years after ITSMF was formed and was immediately attracted to the organization. It is an organization of senior technology leaders. There's certain qualifications for membership, but essentially CIOs, uh, CEOs of technology organizations, uh, direct reports to CIOs, very senior technology people in the organization. And that organization attracts me for a number of reasons. One, it allows us to build a network of senior technology executives. And the people we compete against have had those kinds of networks for years. And now I can get on the phone and call up the CIO of Cox Enterprises. I can call up senior technology practitioners at Delta Airlines or American Airlines. Or I can reach out to the CIOs of big cities. And that is a fantastic network to be able to have. It's a safe place to be able to share uh, issues. The second thing is the ability to give back. One of the goals of the organization is to fill the pipeline uh, of minority talent uh, with minority talent in, in, in corporate America and entrepreneurial America. And that's where that link to BDPA is because we believe that BDPA is a very clear uh, place where we can go to to find that technology talent to, to fill that pipeline to ensure that people in BDPA continue along that technology journey to be senior technology executives, whether they own their own firm, uh, CIO, direct reports to CIOs, but we believe that BDPA is hugely important. So I see this natural affiliation between ITSMF and BDPA and believe that we ought to do everything we can to preserve the link and to ensure that we uh, that we fill the pipeline with minority talent. And that um, I see here in your bio that, you're, that you have served as a member of the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation Board of Directors. And certainly BDPA as an organization is committed from, to helping people go from the classroom to the boardroom. Um, as you look back at this network, filling the pipeline, and in your current role of leadership, what are some of the key criteria for success that you have found have been critical as you've moved through your career? Sure. I, I do serve on the uh, on the board of the BDPA uh, Education and Technology Fund Board. I was appointed by, by BDPA. And uh, the mission of BTF, of course, is to raise funds uh, for BDPA to ensure that there's adequate funding for, to execute the mission of BDPA. As I go through my journey, my career journey, I've found a number of things to be very essential to continuing to move ahead. First, it's important that we're good at what we do. Sometimes we overlook that. It's not whether or not we work hard. That's assumed. But we do have to be good at what we do. There's a level of competence that is required. There's accomplishment that is required, and we have to dedicate ourselves to doing that. 
But it is not enough because we will find lots of people in the workplace who are good at what they do. I believe the second thing, then, is to ensure that we always have a good perspective as to what the organization needs. Sometimes I think of it in baseball terms. You've got to swing at a lot of balls, but you've got to know which ones to swing at, and you have to have a really good batting average. So it's important to have good judgment, make the right decisions. Third, it's important to go above and beyond. Sometimes we like to say, what more do they want from me? And the answer always is more than we're giving now. The organization always needs more. We have to innovate more. We have to do more. We have to accomplish more. And we can't resent it. We can't always think, what I really want to do is go home. I've worked hard enough. I keep, I constantly think about what can I do next with the resources I have? What new innovation can we bring to the organization? And I think that's important. And finally, and perhaps this is the most important for me, I have to be the kind of person that others want to help. And that sounds strange coming from a senior leader, but I got where I got to not because I was so amazingly good, but because people wanted to help me. And then it causes me to stop and think, why do people want to help me? How can I be the kind of person that people want to help? Because given the cultures in large organizations today, you cannot get ahead unless people are motivated to help you, which means you've got to be the kind of person that they can rely on, the kind of person that they'll be comfortable with, the kind of person that they'll reach out and say, I'm going to help this person. They're making a mistake. Mm, wow. Well, that's um, I'm hearing that combination of the leadership skills, the networking skills. You talked earlier about giving back and filling the pipeline. You're, you're pulling it all, all together there. And um, that's very powerful. And if I could interrupt for one second, I forgot one, which I think is truly important, and that's communication. If you cannot communicate a vision to others, they cannot follow it. And I think we overlook this in the schools, we overlook this in many of the organizations we're a part of, but being able to communicate a vision is just as important as having a vision. Because if you have all of these visions and you can't explain to people in a way that they want to follow, you just won't get there. You you won't be a leader and you'll be an individual contributor forever. Mm. Okay. And and so given that many members of BDPA start in the technology organization as an individual contributor, how do they move from that role um, to larger roles? I, I think there are a number of ways to move from one role to another. First is research. You have to have a sense, unless you're just supremely lucky, you have to have a sense of what the other roles are. 
and, and have a feeling for what you would like and where you would like to go. Now, luck and being in the right place at the right time absolutely helps. But since we're not all lucky all of the time, got to do a little research. Think of the organization you're in. What are three or four roles that are attractive to you and why? And then what do you think you have to do? Who do you have to influence? What do you have to accomplish? What characteristics do you have to display to have a shot at getting that role? And maybe you don't get it. can't get discouraged. Um, got to figure out, well, how will I try again? How will I make it happen? So there's that strategy involved. And then there's some preparation. What are the things I have to do? How will I communicate my interest in this role? How will I communicate my qualifications for this role? Do I need to practice intensively with someone else to be able to answer the questions the way that I should? Do I need to practice demonstrating my qualifications in a way that would appeal to others? What help did I get looking at my resume and getting uh, a discussion going about, about what my resume looked like? Do I even know what the job requires? If I know the people who influence that decision, what can I do to help them? Sometimes we walk up to people and we say, can you help me? I want this job. And we immediately put them on the defensive. They don't even know us sometimes, but we want a job from them. And sometimes we've got to go to people and say, how can I help you? I'd like to work with you. I'm willing to do things after hours, during lunch, whatever it is, to help you so that you can see what I'm made of. And I'm hoping that at the end of that time, you will see that I am somebody you want to work with. But I'm going to do that by helping you, not just by showing up and asking you for stuff. So there are all of these strategies about how to move forward and how to, uh, how to advance uh, on that corporate level. Again, again, really, really powerful. I um, would like to begin to close out our interview with actually a question that I often ask people initially, and that is the question around what attracted you to BDPA and what keeps you involved? I think in a lot of ways you, you've touched on parts of that answer, but I'll, I'll put it out there specifically. What attracted you to BDPA and what keeps you actively involved? The network is what attracted me to BDPA. I, I, I want to stress how much a network is important. Sometimes we believe we can do it alone. In most organizations, we cannot do it alone. We need a network. We need to have people to call to get answers quickly. We need to share experiences. We need people to support us. And that's what BDPA provided at different stages of my career, the ability to meet with people, talk with people uh, who had similar circumstances. Um, ITSMF provided that for me as well. But I'm still involved with BDPA because now I want to help fulfill the mission. And it's why I contribute to the BDPA fund uh, personally. It's why I get my organization to contribute to the fund. So while my role is now different, 
I still believe in the mission, but I still believe that it is part of my responsibility uh, to help fulfill that mission. So my approach to BDPA has changed. Now it's about fulfilling the mission. Before it was about the network. And I think as you go through your career, you end up with different networks. But BDPA is too important uh, to, to simply ignore. Wow. Well, Larry, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your evening with us. Um, again, I appreciate that you've given us a very quick glimpse into some of your responsibilities. Um, you've really shared with us your commitment to BDPA, and it was interesting to hear how um, the network and uh, plays such an important part in what you do and how you represent BDPA. Um, so thank you again for uh, being a guest on the show and I look forward to uh, hearing and more from you and also meeting you at uh, this year's conference in Baltimore. So have a great evening. Great. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Well, up next is Howard James. Uh, Howard is a charter member of BDPA, and he'll tell us a little bit more about that um, because he was actually in the room when co-founders Earl Pace and David Wimberly initially discussed the idea of having a professional organization of IT professionals. And um, Howard, are you on the line now? Yes, I am, friend. Terrific. Well, Howard, well, welcome to the show. And thank you, uh, I'm getting a little note from Wayne, uh, thank you for being a lifetime member of the organization, and I know that um, at one point you were named Member of the Year on the national level. Um, you have been a past president of BDPA Philadelphia, and uh, earlier in your career you worked for the Federal Reserve. And currently, you are an entrepreneur and own a business here in the Philadelphia area. Um, Howard, again, welcome to the show. And um, I wanted for you to share with us, what was it like being named Member of the Year? And in your mind, what did you do to be bestowed that honor? Because I think in, in sharing that, our audience can begin to understand what BDPA means to you and uh, why it's been a, a part of your professional career. Okay, first of all, Fran, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Um, and, uh, well, in terms of being a member of the year, that was um, the year after I served as president of the Greater Philadelphia Chapter of BDPA in 1992, and, and I was nominated for the National Member of the Year. It, it was a shock and surprise to me when I won because at the national conference because I didn't even know I was nominated. I think that uh, it was primarily a result of reviving a Philadelphia chapter that had dropped in membership to only about 13 members in 1990, and uh, 
we grew the organization's membership to about 190 members in a two-year period. Uh, under my watch, I guess that might have uh, encouraged somebody to nominate me. But uh, and that, that growth, uh, more important, that growth resulted in significant revenue and programs for the organization. And uh, it was hard work for me and, and many members of the Philadelphia chapter who I give a lot of credit to uh, helping me get to the point of winning member of the year, national member of the year. Um, but but as dedicated BDPA members across the nation will confirm, and we, we've said many times, it hurts so good. <laughs> Yeah, tell us more about that. It hurts so good. I've, there's key BDPA phrases like, you know, the world's best kept secret. So it hurts so good, I'll have to add that to that list. <laughs> well, Howard, um, you know, the growing a chapter is consistently a challenge that many of the chapter presidents face. And um, what were some takeaways in terms of growing a chapter that members who may be growing their career um, might also kind of apply as they're working on their career? Well, one thing, I think in growing the Philadelphia chapter, you know, with 13 members, it's not much that you can do when you have about 15 committees that you need and you have 13 members that are active, then it's very difficult. But the approach I took was just stepping back and looking at what we were trying to do. And then the most important thing is that if you're going to build a skyscraper, you don't build a foundation for a two-story house. You, build, you have to build a strong foundation to hold that skyscraper. So what I decided to do was build the foundation, focus on that, and, and the rest will happen. One thing was to, number one, get people to do the things that we wanted to do as a chapter. So I would get people, and some people said I got people in headlocks and drug them into my organization, and in some cases that might have been true. But the key thing was that <laughs> I, I, got, I, I got people in, and I and I deviated from the traditional committee scenario where you bring somebody in and say you're on this committee and you have these 20 things to do. I would bring somebody in. I had every committee person. I had only a couple of committees, but a lot of committees we wanted to start. So we listed tasks, and then listing those tasks every time a new member came in, I would take them to the list and say, here's the task we want to do. Pick one or two. And then they picked those things, and whatever committee it happened to fall with, that's where it went. And everybody got to do uh, the task they wanted to do rather than all of the tasks of a specific committee. So that helped a lot in getting people uh, anxious to work with other members of the organization. And once they started working on one task with someone else, they felt more comfortable and encouraged to do something else. And that's how we grew, built the foundation and uh, began to grow the organization. Wow, and I that sounds like it connects very closely with um, some of the points that uh, Larry Quinlan was making around leadership and in his role meeting and motivating people, setting that vision 
and using the network and the goals to help people kind of work together. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm really glad that you broke it down for the listeners in terms of exactly how you got people involved. Now, you're an entrepreneur, and a lot of times people say entrepreneurs take risks, entrepreneurs look at things differently. And just a few moments ago, you said that you didn't do sort of what people traditionally do in terms of assigning people to a committee. Um, In your business, and BDPA as a volunteer organization is sort of in the business of providing services, but in your business, um, how do you use technology and to what degree is running your business similar or different than some of the things that you did when you were helping to lead the BDPA chapter, Philadelphia chapter? Okay. Um, that That's that's a, a large question, but I'll, I'll try to break it down. Um, I appreciate that. I'll use technology. The business I'm in is the tea business. It was started as a, as a project in the MBA program at Eastern University. So when we started, when we graduated from that program in 2001, we weren't sure whether we wanted to jump all the way into this uh, entrepreneurship thing. So what we did, we said, we'll start off small. Let's just put up a full-fledged e-commerce website and see how that goes before we open up brick-and-mortar establishment. So what we did, we started, being in IT, I wanted to do an e-commerce website, which we did. And we have a webmaster that helps us out with that. And uh, I I tend not to want to do all of that stuff anymore. I have other things to do with regard to running my business. Um, we use QuickBooks Financial Accounting System. That's another thing. We use that. That's on my main computer in my office. And we've uh, interfaced that with our QuickBooks Point of Sale System that sits outside of my office so when customers order, we can enter information into that system. And we've networked those two systems together, and at the end of the day, we hit a button, and that information from the point-of-sale system is automatically sent to the QuickBooks financial accounting system so we don't have to rekey that data. Another thing we do, we have Wi-Fi. Of course, in a tea room, you need to have uh, Wi-Fi wireless connectivity for your customers, and we have that. I simply put a wireless modem into my PC, and the wireless connection is made in the T-room, and the the data goes out the door via my DSL link. So it's wireless for a little while, but then it goes over DSL, broadband. Um, The other thing is basically uh, we get a lot of use out of desktop tools. You know, I don't have all the funds I had at the Federal Reserve Bank where I could develop systems and buy funky systems off of the shelf, but I have to be creative with Excel and Word and things like that. So we use a lot of that, and we have our staff getting more proficient using those desktop tools. So you know, when you look at a small business, this is simply a microcosm of the larger corporation, really. And... Um, 
And when you look at that in that perspective, you look at the basic entities that you have in the larger corporation, and you say, well, what are the functions I need as, as opposed to uh, how many people do I have to do these functions? What what was a department in computer operations is my one PC or two PCs here at T-Country. And I have to look at, well, what do I have to do? I have to keep those machines up to date. I have to keep the software up to date, and I have to do things to make sure that I run an efficient operation and that those IT components integrate well into my business processes, uh, albeit the, the small business operations. Okay. So I'm hearing that you're definitely you're using technology in your business, and you're looking at technology from a variety of perspectives. One, the operation side, to the financial side, and three, the customer service side, the customer experience side. And right. you are managing uh, technology is a lever, a tool, and um, you're really making sure that um, you're looking at your resources of time um, and communicating as effectively as possible. You mentioned training your employees so that your business is efficient. And it sounds like just as with BDPA, there are times that you're prioritizing and you're making decisions about what you can do, how much you can do it, and getting the most out of, as you said, your one computer, your two computers, or your software um, as you can. And for when you were talking a little bit about um, your leadership with BDPA Philadelphia, when there were many, many tasks, you mentioned, you know, there's 15, in theory, 15 committees, but maybe only 13 members, you were, you were prioritizing then and making decisions and getting people motivated and making those connections between what needs to be done now and um, who's interested in getting it done. So, um, One of the questions that I'm going to ask you, and again, it's, it's a standard question, um, in terms of being attracted to BDPA, um, as I was looking over your bio here, I see that you signed the original bylaws and charter that created BDPA. Um, now, Philadelphia, you know, a lot of historic things happened in Philadelphia. Um, what was it like kind of being in that room? And it's now many, many years later. Um, what keeps you still involved in BDPA? So you were there in the beginning, and you're here now. Okay, well, uh, I guess I can tell it like a story. Once upon a time, in 1975, <laughs> a visionary leader named Earl Pace, Jr. and David Wimberly were roaming around Philadelphia talking about the need to help African Americans who were in the field of data processing to grow their careers. And uh, also they wanted to assist those who were interested into entering into the field of data processing. And last, uh, they wanted to help the minority community as a whole have a better understanding of what computers were about and what this whole new thing called data processing was. 
of course, you think about 1975, that was five years prior to the IBM PC even hitting the market, which was 1980, and and you get a better perspective of what it was. I mean, I couldn't even tell people what my job was because when I said I was a computer programmer, a what? What is a computer and what is a programmer? So it became very frustrating. But uh, I thought it was a great idea then, what they were talking about, helping professionals, helping the community, and helping uh, African Americans in general to know more about this technology opportunity. And um, so they wanted to start this organization, and, and it's proven to be much more over the years than I expected, especially when I see the benefits our professionals and our youth constantly receive all around the country. And we started in Philadelphia, and it was just one chapter for about three years before uh, Washington, D.C. and Cleveland chapters came on board. So it was even uh, more difficult to get things moving in those early years. Um, and also it's amazing how BDPA members energized or uh, energized by each other in terms of doing more with less. I mean, we have... Uh, we, we get tired of volunteering our time and, and being one of maybe ten in a chapter that might be doing a lot of work. But then when you see another chapter or another member in, encouraging you to do something or doing something themselves, in and of itself it encourages you to do a little bit more for BDPA. And um, the, the value that we get from it and what the members have, be, have grown accustomed to continues to be something look, that we look forward to. I mean, when Monique, Monique Berry, uh, our president, or uh, our Philadelphia president, Eileen Gaston, uh, they get on Facebook or send emails and talk about things happening, it continues to energize me, and I think that's mainly why I stay actively involved. Well, Howard, you know, you're very, very inspiring and you know, it's it's really been a pleasure to have you on the show as we're wrapping up, and you, you've shared so many very exciting things with us um, as we wrap up this particular segment. I'm just wondering, what, what's a final thought that you'd like to leave our audience with as they um, wrap up their evening and maybe even head over to their computer to register for the national conference, which, of course, is coming up in August. What's something that you'd like for them to be thinking about as they finish up? First of all, you know, I strongly believe that BDPA is one of the best things that ever happened in the IT industry. Uh, the number of quality professionals whose careers were enhanced through affiliation with BDPA is enormous. And it's obvious our sponsors are very smart people because they recognize the value that BDPA brings to the table for their organizations, as well as for the United States of America in this global economy. The professionals and youth that we train to compete globally is essential, essential to our country maintaining a leadership role in technology. And I recommend that our members and sponsors continue to support and promote BDPA and, and stay involved. I'm a life member, as you mentioned, uh, of BDPA because I believe in what BDPA is, is, has done and is doing and will do going forward. 
And in the words, finally, in the words of a former Detroit chapter VP, Charles Flowers, I love BDPA. That's my final words, friend. <laughs> well, thank you, Howard. You know, BDPA is all about showing the love, so I appreciate you bringing that in. Have a great evening. Thank you again for being a guest on the show, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we have just heard from two very motivating guests, Mr. Larry Quinlan, Global Chief Information Officer with Deloitte, and Howard James, Charter Member, and um, a member of National BDPA, and a past president of BDPA Philadelphia Chapter. Our next guest who will be joining us is Gibran McDuffie, and he is the High School Computer Coordinator for BDPA Chicago. Now, he is a very strong supporter of BDPA's efforts to provide technology training to high school students. He's led the training of hundreds of high school students in the metro Chicago area in the past decade. He actually led the training of the 2006 National BDPA High School Computer Competition Champions, and those were the students from the team that matriculated to the University of Michigan and the U.S. Naval Academy, among other places. So welcome to the show. How are you this evening? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Definitely a pleasure. And well, I do have one correction. Everything you okay. said is true, except that I have passed the baton to another gentleman that is running the program. Uh, although I still can uh, contribute and I still teach classes, we do have uh, Eric Dorch that is uh, actually leading the department right now. Oh, excellent. Well, well, thank you for acknowledging. That's one of the things I love about BDPA is always about the teamwork. And the baton continually gets passed so that people have the opportunity to step up and be leaders. That's so good. share with us, share with us, when you first got involved with BDPA, were you immediately working with high school computer students or... What was your What was your first point of contact? Um, I, I when I initially joined, I, I did get involved in um, uh, departments like public relations, but there was a, a, a long gap uh, between my joining and um, actually really getting strongly involved. Uh, some period in there, I was going back to school and uh, finish up my degree. And then, but after I finished my degree, that's when I really started getting actively involved with the chapter. Uh, my first board position was uh, director of IT, and then I did that a couple of years. And then I got in, in 2003. I got involved with the uh, what we called at that time our education department, which was responsible for training the kids. So um, it it was some transition period in there, and and some period in there where I wasn't very active, but certainly since 1998, I've been very active in the chapter. And what's what's been the motivator for you? Larry mentioned motivation and network. Um, Howard mentioned, you know, finding areas that uh, potential members 
you know, said, gee, I'd love to do this. I'd like to work with this person. So um, what was sort of the glue that that kept you involved with BDPA? Well, I, I strongly believe that our community has, is in crisis. And when you're in crisis, you don't uh, look at how difficult the challenge is, how busy you are, what, all the things that you might have going on in your life. You have to say, we're in crisis, and we need to do everything that we possibly can to overcome this crisis. Our kids need us. We have we can make time if we want to, and that's what I've done in my life. I've tried to I've, I've made time for these kids because they need us, and it's a crisis. And you know, I just did my best to respond to it. So, in making that. Time, making that investment. What does that look like? Um, what did that look like in the past as a coordinator? And now that you've passed the baton on to Eric, what does that look like on a day-to-day or weekly or monthly basis um, now? Well, it's it, the advantage that we have right now. When I got involved, we didn't have a whole lot of structure. We didn't have uh, systems and tools in place to help us run the program, so we do have the advantage of that. But I I don't kid anyone when I ask them to step up and volunteer. It is a hard slog. It's it's a difficult march, and and there is no end to it. It's it's something that, I mean, it's a commitment that I made for, you know, I I plan to do this for the rest of my life as long as I can bring value to the program. So it's a strong commitment. It's a lot of work. It's, 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 it can be very frustrating, but when your your team is uh, uh, lifting that uh, um, uh, trophy, uh, winning a championship or, or a competition, is nothing more rewarding than that. Hmm. And how about on the sort of the personal level? I mean, sort of what what is it that the students walk away with? that helps you know this was worth it? I mean, yes, there is that trophy, but what what else are the students getting that they might not be getting somewhere else um, or in another program? Well, the, the wonderful thing about BDPA is that uh, we, we the technology that we expose the kids to is real technology. I remember a few years ago, uh, we uh, one of the kids did a, a presentation at one of our functions, and he demonstrated a software solution that he provided um, that actually came out of one of the competitions, and it was a charitable giving website. And after he did his presentation, uh, the uh, this was a CIO of a, a major bank, and he said, how long did it take you guys to do that? Said, we had uh, five hours to get it done. And he said, you know, my team did something similar, and it took them five months to get it done. And so the technology that we expose the kids to, the opportunities to step up and be leaders, to learn how to work together in, in a team, to take to take real business problems and, and provide real technical solutions to it. This is this is the stuff that uh, I've worked with. Uh, at, I've worked for AT and T, and these are the types of uh, problems and solutions that we have to provide on a real world basis. And we use the exact same technology that we expose these kids to. So when they when they go to college, 
they're sitting at the front of the class in all of that technology class because they know the answer. They're confident, and they can challenge their instructors about solutions that they may have. So that that's the one of the great things that they get out of it, in addition to scholarships and, and opportunity to meet senior executives and things like that. Wow, that's, that is really powerful. And I know before the show started, you were talking a little bit about the fact that what the students are learning evolves over time. Um, and can you talk a little bit more about that in terms of um, the technologies that, for example, this year the Chicago team is investing in learning so that they're better prepared for the upcoming competition. Right. Just, just like you're saying, uh, technology evolves over time, and you have to have a flexible organization. And, and one of the things that we, we've always believed here in Chicago, you got to listen to these kids, too, because they're the ones in the competition. They're exposed to what's going on. If they have some good ideas about how to change the program, um, we adults need to be uh, mature enough to listen to them. And we had a young man a, a few years ago that came uh, to our program. He already knew PHP, and at the time we, we were using Java, and he put together a compelling argument to say that we should shift technologies to PHP. So we listened to them, and it just so happens that the um, chapter that has been winning the competition for the last several years, they use PHP, and that together with his arguments compelled us to look at PHP, and, and we started training ourselves in PHP, and this year we were training the kids in PHP. So BDPA has been wonderful in, in terms of my career, too, and just being having the opportunity to step up in a leadership position. And the fact is that I, I used to be a programmer uh, 15 years ago or so, but BDPA keeps my hands in technology, and having my hands in technology, it makes me a more valuable team player in my organization. So as I'm listening to uh, business problems and, and listening to our technical teams talk about solutions to those problems, I can digest both ends of that spectrum because of my experience and participation in BDPA. Hmm. Now let's let's um, shift the focus a little bit. One of the hot topics today is the STEM experience, science, technology, uh, and and math, engineering and math. And so I'm wondering, in your mind, uh, from the perspective professional perspective and working at AT&T and also in your volunteer roles with BDPA. Um, where does BDPA fit in terms of helping students be ready for STEM? I mean, I, I think we're right in the heart of it because, I mean, it's not a whole lot that kids can learn in school today that doesn't involve some aspect of technology. So in our, in our training programs, we don't just jump right into computer programming. We 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 make sure that the kids understand well what exactly is a computer? How do these things work? What 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 is some of the electronics behind it? So when these kids come out of our program, they they have a wide breadth and understanding of, of technology in many aspects of it. So if I mean one of the uh, young men that led our team in 2006 to the uh, championship. 
he ended up going into uh, electrical engineering. So they they can take what they learn from from us and take that in any direction that they want to, especially in terms of engineering and science and technology. Mm. So in looking at, now last year the national conference was in Chicago, and in in looking at uh, technology and BDPA, what are some of the upcoming trends that you think um, the high school students will be focusing on, if not this year, perhaps next year, as they prepare to be competitive? Well, w- one of the things that I, I, I would like to see the organization move into is Right now, we 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 have a good program for high school kids. I w- I would love to see us to to start a, a a national program for college kids. So today we have kids, uh, the high school kids learning web development. I would love to see the organization have a program where we te- where we we're teaching and supporting college students and learning say uh, an advanced programming language like C++ or, or, or uh, really taking Java to the next level and maybe learn, teaching kids how to create games or how to ki- teach kids how to uh, write um, mobile apps. So I think there's still a whole lot of opportunity uh, for uh, BDPA to expand our programs and to do more and get deep and, and, and support kids uh, after they leave high school and, and Help them on the, as they continue on their path to their uh, professional career. So that's that's where I would like the uh, organization to go, and um, I'm, I'm hoping to work with other members that are like-minded to make some of those things happen. Mm, mm. I, I love I love that uh, stepping up in, in leadership role, uh, proposing uh, a solution, and being part of helping to bring that solution. Um, into action. So as we wrap up, um, what are some final thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with because you've had a rich history with BDPA. Um, You've had an opportunity to be very involved, go off and pursue your personal education, um, re-enter the workforce, and um, get more involved in BDPA. Um, so, what what final thoughts do you have for our audience? Well, I, I would just like everyone to encourage everyone to think about starting a program where they're working with kids. Um, last year, I started a program at uh, my my kids' middle school, where sort of teaching some of the uh, precursor technology that uh, the kids will need to evolve into the BDPA high school computer program. But as, as I'm Teaching the kids, I'm, I'm there on the weekend, and I, I and I see all these empty classrooms, and I just think to myself, man, every one of these classrooms should be filled. Uh, if if uh, someone's parent is a is a nurse, have a background in nursing, be, uh, come to the have a program at the school where you're teaching kids about biology or, or what nursing is all about or whatever your background is. And it's a it's a quote that I like. I can't I can't think of who actually said it first, but that to teach is to learn twice. So 
teaching helps you strengthen your understanding of your own career, and having those opportunities to speak and communicate will help you advance in your career because as you move up in your career, those kinds of uh, capabilities become more and more important. So I'll just leave with that thought. Oh, that that is a wonderful closing thought, and it's a, a great way to tie in the whole spirit of volunteerism, community, and really helping people move from the classroom to the boardroom because as you help others, you do help yourself. It is about that giving and receiving. So thank you very much for joining us on the show tonight as a guest. Um, Good luck to your team in the upcoming uh, national conference. Um, Do you know at this point how many students will be uh, Chicago will be bringing to the conference? Well, we we will definitely have a team of five, and I anticipate that we'll be bringing a total of ten kids. Wow, wow, that's excellent. And that's that's one of the things that the volunteer efforts uh, really go towards is helping to raise the funds so that students from all over the country are able to attend the national conference and uh, compete uh, and see others and also be a part of the conference and see the professionals in action um, and be motivated. So thank you again for the work that you do with your chapter. Um, I look forward to having Eric join us at some point on the show uh, to give us an update on what he's been doing with the team. And uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, in Baltimore in August. So have a great evening. You too. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. So we're about to wrap up our show. Um, Again, for our listening audience, the BDPA iRadio show airs the second and fourth Tuesday of every month from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. I'd like to thank our guests tonight, who are Larry Quinlan, Global Chief Information Officer at Deloitte, Howard James, Charter Member and a member of National BDPA and a past president of BDPA Philadelphia, and Gibran McDuffie, High School Computer Coordinator um, of BDPA Chicago, and he did give us an update that Eric is now the um, incoming high school computer competition coordinator. So thank you again to our guests, thank you to our listeners, and thank you to our sponsors. And I look forward to having you join us at www.blogtalkradio.com slash bdpa, where you can always check out the archived editions of our interviews. And thanks to the volunteer work, um, many of our interviews are now being posted on YouTube. So if there is a specific interview that you want to check out, you can go to um, www.bdpa.org and then follow the appropriate links and um, see us and hear us on YouTube as well. Have a great evening and join us next for our next show, which is April the 10th, 2012. Have a great evening.
PDPAI Radio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, computer science academics, and people with a passion for educating our young people in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPAI Radio Show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the Black community. BDPAI Radio links business, education, and technology.